The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Sendo. For more information, visit villagesendo.org. Good morning. Sunday morning online. And of course, today is September 11th, 2022. And for many of us here in New York City, today's date calls to mind that day 21 years ago when the World Trade Center towers fell. September 11th, 2001. Even today, when we remember that time, it's a grievous memory. We recall that altogether, 3,000 people died in New York City, in Washington, D.C., in Steubenville, uh, Pennsylvania, on that day. 3,000 people. And even now, today, when we walk by a fire station here in New York City, we see the signs and the memorial plaques outside all of them uh, of the huge loss of firefighters in the collapse of those buildings. And I often walk uh, by the 9-11 memorial wall uh, across the street from the now closed St. Vincent's Hospital. On that day, that whole street was closed, 7th Avenue, and it was covered with gurneys and medics waiting outside for people to arrive, for the injured to arrive. And no one did. And that's right next to the AIDS Memorial, which was also going on at that time. Great loss of life. And 21 years have passed. And like so many painful events in history, so many loss of life and treasures, as time passes, our memory fades. Old memories are replaced by new ones, new generations new disasters. And yet we mark and remember and learn, hopefully learn from the shifts and changes with the years. So we might ask ourselves, have we forgotten? Or on the other hand, are we just holding on to past grief? There's kind of the historical world level, world level grief. And then there, there's our own personal grieving. Perhaps someone that we lost. Something that has changed within ourselves. Something that has changed in the world. 
We can ask ourselves, how is it that time and memory and acts of joy and violence, how do they affect us today? In Dogen's study of time, Dogen was you know, the 13th century uh, Japanese Zen philosopher. Uh, he talks about the question of our minds and memory and our own relationship uh, to time. And he, he conjures the image of uh, encountering different deities, which we could consider now uh, ideals that we might have and fears that we might have, because not all deities are uh, idealistic, uh, loving creatures, but also can represent uh, horrors in our lives, in our minds. So he writes, three heads and eight arms may be yesterday's time. Three heads and eight arms move forward as your time being. Yet yesterday and today are both in the moment when you directly enter the mountains and see thousands and myriads of peaks. Yesterday's time and today's time do not go away. Three heads and eight arms move forward as your time being. It looks as if they are far away, but they are here and now. The eight or 16 foot body moves forward as your time being. It looks as if it's nearby, but it is actually here. It looks as if it is nearby, but it's actually here. Thus, a pine tree is time, bamboo is time. Let's consider what this uh, section is talking about. Three heads and eight arms may be yesterday's time. The eight or 16 foot body may be today's time. So I wanted to place that in today. We could think of our experience of 9-11 as embodied by these archetypal images, the devils and demons, the three heads and eight arms, you know, these great demons that exist. Uh, and we could think of today's time as a moment of insight, a moment of compassion, a 16 foot golden body of a Buddha. Yet Dogen says, it looks as if they are far away, but they are here now. The eight or 16 foot body moves forward as your time being. It looks as if they are nearby, but it is exactly here. Thus a pine tree is mine. Bamboo is time. Thus a pine tree is time. Bamboo is time. 
It looks as if they are far away, but they are here and now. The eight or 16 foot body moves forward as your time being. It looks as if it is nearby, but it is exactly here. Today, many visitors come uh, to the 9-11 Memorial downtown. They gaze at the Memorial pool and look up at the new tower. I often take walks in that area. And I'm always impressed with the lines and lines of people who are waiting to enter the Memorial every single day. 21 years later. Why, I ask myself, do people come to this site of tragedy? I remember many years ago, way before 9-11, I visited with uh, Dido Lurie Roshi's, I, I was his attendant on a teaching trip to New Zealand. And we made a special stop in Honolulu so that Dido could visit the site of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. We stood atop the USS Arizona, the memorial site, and we were among many, many people that were there streaming into that space uh, of the attack, the first attack in December, 1941. I recall Dido's deep emotion. And I realized, oh, he must have been 10 years old when that happened. Hmm? When that Arizona was attacked and all those sailors were killed, lost. And I saw how deeply moved he was by that, by that tragedy. He later served in the Merchant Marines, so I could see that he had this kind of heart connection uh, to the people in the Navy. But I hadn't been born yet when that had happened. Uh, and as a woman, I hadn't had any military experience. So my, my feeling at that time was so different from his. For me, it was a sad fact of history, like the Civil War. But what I recall about that in my memory was what it was for him. And I think today of those of us who bore witness to the suffering of the World Trade Center, the terrible loss of life the firefighters and white collar workers, the waiters and janitors, the receptionists, the visitors and bystanders. Josh and Rosie, Roshi was teaching not too far from there at the college. And I was so frightened because it wasn't possible to, we didn't have cell phones and all these things at the time. And it wasn't possible to connect. connect. And one merely had to wait and there was no transportation. So you had to walk 
people walked all the way uptown in Queens, Brooklyn. There was no transportation. I remember the enormous fear that we all had. And then I think of all the other places, all the other sites of great suffering. Places that I personally have been able to visit. I've been to Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And the unthinkable obscenity of Auschwitz. And, and recently I visited the National Lynching Memorial in Alabama, in Montgomery, Alabama. I recall making my way around that memorial, that lynching place. The names of people were hung on these, these metal, uh, uh, engraved on these steel rectangles uh, with the name of the county where the lynching had occurred. I went and looked for the county where my grandparents had lived in Texas. And I stopped and I wondered and I breathed what kind of personal, through the generations, responsibility I might have. And said a silent prayer for all who are implicated in the suffering of racism, of otherism. The power of the lynching memorial, like 9-11, like the sunken Arizona and Hiroshima and Nagasaki and Auschwitz, echo across all, all the continents, all of humankind, the battlefields of Europe, the monuments in Africa, Middle East, China, Tibet, even the ancient monuments like Stonehenge. They remind us of the power of remembering, of paying attention to what is lost. All, I think, testify to Dogen's remark Yesterday's time and today's time do not go away. Three heads and eight arms move forward as your time be. That's the monsters of humanity. Move forward as today's time being. It looks as if they are far away, but they are here and now. Here and now. It is so important that we remember, I like that phrase, remember, is to bring back into our bodies what has happened and the action that's necessary to heal. Action that is necessary to heal. So I think of, of what this little group this little village Zendo was doing. Doshin, uh, one of our members, uh, has organized a group called Sangha Supporting Refugees. 
And it's made up of, of Village Zendo members and, and many other New York City's uh, Buddhist groups. Uh, and even has some non-Buddhist volunteers. Uh, and they're supporting immigrants who are coming to New York City. Uh, many of these immigrants are victims of long-term political and economic violence as a result of 9-11, as a direct result of what happened 21 years ago. These people are now arriving in our city. How can we not help them? How can that we not support them? And we support them by helping them find, find a place to live, uh, where to shop, how to enroll in school, how to find a job, whatever they need, translation, English lessons. To help these refugees, is a way to atone. It is one way to atone, to become one with the terrible tragedy of the remnants of 9-11. I encourage us all to support this effort however we can. I think a memorial helps us to focus on what is important in our lives and that of others. Memorial compels us to act, to take care of now. Dogen says, do not think that time merely flies away. Do not see flying away as the only function of time. If time merely flies away, you'd be separated from time. The reason you do not clearly understand the time being is that you think of time only as passing. In essence, all things in the entire world are linked with one another as moments. Because all moments are the time being, they are your time being right now. Indeed, we are linked together, you and me, and the times we live in. As we become more intimate with our own nature, it becomes clearer what it is we're called to do. What it is that will serve us and the world around us recognizing that we are not two. So how is it? What can we do? Who are we now is the question. And Joshan Roshi and I were, were considering what kind of teaching to offer this fall. Uh, and we thought we'd do something different for this winter spring session. We're going to study the Zen ox herding pictures, see what we can learn about ourselves, about our own spiritual and intimate experience, our awareness of what is passing, of the time that is passing 
through us as we are. As we are right here and now. So the Oxherding study, uh, you may know, um, offers a kind of intimate way to look again at our own being. To embody our search for meaning. And for our place in the flow of time. So we're going to be using these ancient teachings of the training of the mind ox, which is a great image, uh, the mind ox. Uh, the ox is strong and powerful, but can be quite stubborn. <laughs> and how is it that we see ourselves? And we'll be playful and serious. And we'll study together the world as it is now with the hawks, with our own understanding of what's happening in this world these days. We might uncover our own intimate feelings that we may not be aware of and how we are with the daily events, our own life and that of the whole world. Hopefully, it will be a support for us to navigate these days, these times. So I invite you to join us for the Path of the Ox. Uh, begins, I think, next week. Um, and we'll meet online once a month, uh, engaging in discussion and uh, post things to our a different I.O. list. So you can register if you'd like for that, that course that we're taking. But for all of us, whether we take the course or not, we do know that these times are so valid for recognizing who we are and how we sit in these times. And how memorials and momentous time events affect us and it can be our teachers as well as merely passing moments in time. What have we learned from the different events that have occurred in the past 21 years? What will we learn from what happens today? Let me offer a closing gotha. Terrible storms, frightening times, and yet laughter in the ruins. How can we understand? No, not understand. Let us heal again so we can serve with joy and great faith.